First Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we thank you again for being with us today. We thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. We thank you, Lord, that your presence is here right now. Your presence is here by the power of the Holy Spirit. And your presence is in your word and upon your word. And you have already anointed your word. And the scripture says you have exalted your word even as you have exalted your name. So, Lord, let us join you today in exalting your word. By honoring your word, listening to your word, hearing your word, applying your word. In our hearts and lives. And I pray as Peter wrote, Lord, that if anyone would speak, let him speak the very words of God. I pray that you would cause me, Lord, to speak your very words today in your heart for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're continuing our series on how to make the biggest difference because I'm absolutely convinced that God has called us to make a huge difference, not just in our world, but right here in our community. So we're continuing this series and... I want to talk about windows. I want to talk about windows, but I'm not talking about the kind of windows that we look out of. I'm not talking about stained glass windows in a beautiful church or a cathedral. Today, what are we most often referring to when someone says windows? Computers. <laughs> It's not a glass. We're, most of the time when the word windows is spoken today, it's talking about a computer software system, a computer operating system, and often a very frustrating one. Can I get an amen? Because it's always changing, and nobody likes the changes, right? Here's why I'm thinking about this. There once was a time, back in the far and distant past, in ancient history, when there were computers. But, with those computers, you could not work with more than one program running at a time. Now, I know there's some people here today, and you're younger, and you've never experienced such an ancient, archaic world as this. But some of us can remember way, 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 way back when there were computers that actually didn't have programs that worked together. So, you might be writing a report, or doing a job for work, or a lesson, or a teaching, and you were on a word processing program, but you also had a... Bible study program or some other program that was a reference for your essay or your report or your work and you used to I know I know this is hard to believe and it's hard to comprehend but some of you will remember this you used to have to shut down the word processing program open up the reference program find out what you wanted to use write that down or print it out then go back and open your word processing program again after you close the reference program and transcribe it in there in some way life was hard back in the day wasn't it 
I mean, it was so hard when we had to do all of that. It wasn't quite as hard as picking cotton, but nonetheless. But computer programs used to not work together. They did not work together. They were all inside the computer together, but they did not work together. They were doing different functions, and they were never coordinating their efforts. But with Windows, the miraculous program of Windows, you can open various programs. You can easily cut and paste and just share information from program to program with the little points and clicks of the mouse. You can cut and paste information from a Bible program or a website or a library. You can have multiple pages open at the same time, multiple web pages open at the same time. You can copy and paste easily and cut down your efforts, be much more efficient. So much more gets done, and yet we still complain that life is so hard. The same is true of accounting programs, and we could go on and on and on and on. Now, some people will credit Bill Gates with this great innovation. Others contend that Bill Gates was a thief, and he stole it from Steve Jobs and Apple, and he just simply marketed it better. Put me in the second category. Either way, though, either way, it was a concept that completely revolutionized the computer industry, and it literally changed people's lives. So many lives, and not just the way they work, because computers have become so much a part of life in our homes as well. So what in the world has this got to do with us? What in the world has this got to do with us? Well, I believe, listen to me, this, this, this message is so important. This message is like a keystone foundational message for my philosophy of ministry, right along with this whole series we've been doing. If you've missed any messages, go back and look at these messages. But I believe God's design is for all the ministries of the church to work together seamlessly. Like Windows. Or like the Mac operating system. I believe God wants us to have ministries that are not like silos. We have this ministry, we have this ministry, this ministry is in this silo, this ministry is in this silo, this ministry is in this silo. And all the silos are standing separately, holding different things. They have different purposes, but they never seem to be on the same farm even. So churches with windows are churches without competition. Churches with windows are churches without competition. Now churches talk about working together in unity and in harmony but so often churches have so many different programs and so many different ministries going on they actually end up with different agendas inside the same church competing with one another programs in the church and people in the church begin to compete with one another programs in the church and it ends up with very little harmony in the church and everybody thinks they're doing their thing and everybody thinks they're doing great thing and everybody needs to jump on their bandwagon and people and families start to be torn in different directions by different ministries in the same church but churches with windows our churches without competition. And I want to say I love the unity and the harmony we have here in this church. It's awesome. I tell you, it is a blessing. It is a blessing. I know some of you have been in this church for a long time. Don't ever take for granted the unity and the love and the harmony that we have in our church. I believe there's a reason for that. Ministry is not haphazard. Ministry is not haphazard. We, we are not, listen, we are not just showing up on Sunday and see who else shows up. That's not what we're doing. 
We're not just coming around once a week on Sundays and looking out the windows and wondering who's rolling up in the parking lot. We don't just operate from week to week, not sure of what's happening or what's going on. We have a plan. We have a plan. And we believe that God has given us this plan and this is how we operate. And I want to share with you three very, very key principles today. The first is simplify. Simplify. Ministry in many places and churches in many places have just become too complicated. We do everything we can do to keep it simple. Ministries do not compete with one another. Too often various ministries and ministry leaders and small group leaders, they end up competing for the lead pastor's attention, competing for the lead pastor's loyalty, competing for the lead pastor's attention in the announcements. And it can cause real division in a church sometimes rather than building unity. And then the pastor begins to feel like he's got to please everybody. He's got to give everybody equal time. He's got to show up at every function. He's got to show up at every small group meeting. He's got to show up at every program. Somehow he's got to keep his family life all in the proper place and this is why in so many places a pastor will become frustrated people become frustrated with a pastor he's not promoting their ministry enough he gets discouraged he faces burnout his family suffers because he's torn in too many directions and then he goes and looks for something else to do that's what happens that's not me that's not me but I have been there I have been there before I was awakened to a simplified biblical way of ministry a more biblical way of ministry than just programs 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 sometimes there can be so many activities to try to go to in the church you think you're a member of several different churches listen just just because we've got a small group directory and it's full above bunch of small groups don't ever think that we're asking you to go to all these small groups and that every one of these small groups fits you No, the reason we have all kinds of different small groups is because we know different people need different groups different people need different relationships different people are at different stages of life and different stages of their own discipleship and spiritual formation and so my message is be in a service and be in a small group if you want to do more than that fine but at least the minimum the minimum baseline is be in a service and be in a small group we're not trying to get you to go to everything we don't want you to feel like there's all kinds of different focuses here we want there to be just one focus in a church where so many different things are going on with so many different programs and people are getting pulled in so many different directions leaders end up competing with one another and they wear people out because they start to recruit the same people to serve in their ministries. And then they begin to lay guilt trips on people that we're trying to help and serve, not lay guilt trips on people. But when we serve with windows, we have all the functions, all the functions and of the old programs, but in a common format. Is, any, is this making sense to anybody today? I hope it will as I go on. The pastor... The pastor focuses on the overall environment of ministry. The leaders are motivated not just to the growth of their individual ministry, but to the overall growth of the church, and they see their ministry as a part of the whole, not the most important thing going on. This is another reason why we do next steps, Karen. I saw the post this past week. Angie put a post on our Facebook page. It says, what's the most common phrase you've heard from your pastor? And so many people said, next steps, next steps, next steps, next steps. And I'm like, yeah, they're getting it. They're starting to get it. 
But this is another reason why we do next steps. Not just to help you find your spiritual gift, but at next steps we help you see how the area in which you are gifted to serve fits into the whole big picture of the church. Like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a hand would be no good without a body. A foot cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. An ear cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. You might be a body. You might, you might, you might be a hand. You might be a finger. You might be a foot. You might be a toe. I knew a guy once, famous songwriter from the 1970s. He said, I'm the armpit in the body of Christ. <laughs> I don't know what part you are. Some of you know what part you are, but you're part of the whole. We're part of the whole. And Next Steps helps you to see how each of the ministries fit into the part of the whole. It's also a one-size-fits-all ministry training. See, I used to have many different manuals for many different ministries. I used to have many different applications, many different guidelines, many different training sessions for all the various ministries of the church. The boys' ministry, the girls' ministry, the Sunday school ministry, the youth ministry, the outreach ministry, the women's ministry, the men's ministry, this ministry, that ministry, every ministry. And we had a book for everyone and a training for everyone and they were all different and everything was all separated. Not anymore. Next Steps is a one-size-fits-all. It is supplemented from time to time. Yes, we do supplement it with focuses from time to time. But it is simplified. And this simplified way of ministry is more effective and productive. I've seen it work. That may sound like business talk, but I believe the work of the Lord should be the most efficient and productive thing we're doing than anything else, don't you? The problems in our culture, listen. The problems in our culture will not be helped if ministries inside the church are always competing with one another. Too many churches actually pride themselves on doing things the way they've always done it. And people fight for doing things the way it's always been done. Well, how did a church in Seoul, Korea grow to over 800,000 members? One church, over 800,000 members, when their sanctuary only seats 10,000 people. You have 10 services on a Sunday, that's 100,000 people. That's, that's not even close to being one-fourth of the entire church. They do it through small groups. They built their church through small groups. Sunday is mostly when the leaders gather together and then the church meets in homes all throughout the week. A number of years ago, there was a church in West Africa. A church in West Africa that had over 120,000 members. Eight small groups that's how they did church they built that before there even was computers how does this happen it's simple when the small groups do the work of the ministry small groups do the work of the ministry we've read Ephesians chapter 4 a lot Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 14 now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church I believe we've got gifts the Father's given to the church. I believe we've got gifts the Holy Spirit's given to the church. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility, the responsibility of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is not to do the work of the ministry. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry and build up the church. It is not the pastor's responsibility to build up the church. It's the pastor's responsibility to train and equip the people to build up the church. And then it says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. 
then we will no longer be immature like children. So this is going to continue as we continue to grow, as we continue to mature. We're going to continue to train. We're going to continue to release people in ministry. We're going to continue to see the people doing the work of the ministry. So our small group ministry is not just for fellowship. That's a part of it. It's an important part of it. But don't think small group ministry is just for fellowship. Small group ministry is for simplification. It's for multiplication. It's for efficiency of ministry. Our network of small groups, it is biblical and it helps us work together while we are doing different things. We are focusing on the same things. Listen, true genius is not in making things complicated. Somebody might be a genius, but if you don't understand anything he's talking about or doing, he's not much of a genius. True genius is, is not making things complicated. Any child can open their closet and drawers and throw everything out, clothes and toys and everything out in the middle of the room and make a mess. Anybody can do that. My grandkids are really, really, really good at that. That's not what we want to do. As a person grows, they need to organize the room. And they need to keep it simple and keep it uncluttered. Too often, too often churches want to do something because another church in town is doing it. Oh, look at what they're doing. We need to do that. Look at what they're doing. We need to do that. So they start a program, and they try to recruit people who are already busy, and they get something going, whether or not it's related to anything else we're doing, and they get people running in another different direction. They try to pull people's arms and get them involved in that movement. You see this thing over here? If, if it don't involve that, we don't do it. If, if it, I don't care how good the idea is. If it doesn't help connect people to God or empower believers or engage the world, we're not going to do it because that's our mission. We'll be wasting our time. We'll be distracted from our mission if, if everything we do. It's like, it's like you got a cart. You got a cart and it's, it's, you don't have a horse and you don't have a tractor. You need people to pull this cart. And it's going to take about five or six people to pull the cart. So you get five or six people and they pull and they pull and they pull and they pull and they pull. And, they pull and the cart doesn't go anywhere because all the people are on different sides pulling the cart in different directions. All the people have to get on the same side and have to pull that cart in the same direction, then the cart's going to move. There's too many churches where all the people are pulling the thing in different directions. And we need to be together pulling it in the same thing. There was this guy who came to one of the churches I pastored. And he sat down and talked with me and he shared with me his great vision. And it was. It was a, it was a great vision. He wanted to start a canning ministry. He wanted to start a canning ministry that would help the people in the community. We had a great facility. We had a great kitchen. And he said, this is the perfect place. He said, I was over at this other church. And then this is where my alarm bell started going off. One of the first things he did was to start dissing the other church, criticizing the other church. I shared this vision with the other church, and they didn't get it. They didn't jump. And I knew this other church, and I knew this church was doing tremendous things with food for many people in the community on an ongoing and regular basis. But he had this specific, narrow way of doing it and right now the only people I can see is Pastor Chris and Sue I can't see anybody else because my vision is narrow and that's how this guy was and he had the plan he had the plan he had everything he was gonna do they were gonna use part of the property they were gonna grow a garden da, 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 da. and I explained to him that we have opportunities open doors open doors come to next steps go through the training become a small group leader and you can, no 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 this is not a small group pastor you're not getting it you're not understanding the vision pastor you're not getting it this is not just for a few people this is for the whole church the whole church has got to do it and you got to get up on the i mean this guy had come to one sunday service one sunday service dissing his other church 
because they couldn't see his vision. And I opened the door. I said, yeah, this would be great. This would be awesome. This would be fantastic. And you can start a small group and you can put it in the directory. And I explained the purpose of how we do every minute. No, 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 no. This is not a small group. I'm telling you, this is how it was. This, you don't get it. You ain't gotten it. And then he started dissing me right there. You don't get it. You don't understand. You don't see the vision. You don't see how people could be fed. You don't see how this town could be changed. You, it's got to be the whole church that's involved in this thing. I said, sorry. It's not going to happen. Maybe start with a small group. It'll build. Maybe it'll grow. No! You've got to get up on the platform, pastor, and you've got to tell everybody that this entire church is going to be turned into a gardening, canning, food ministry for the whole community, and that's the only way this community is going to be saved and changed and people are going to be reached. I am not exaggerating this, am I? I'm not. The guy had a vision from the Lord, but he thought the Adams family with that hand just running around. See the Adams family? That, that hand that just runs around everywhere? There's no body with that hand. And then you got cousin It, just a big head with hair. That's all it is. Those are freaks. Listen, those are freaks. And I'm sorry, let me just be plain and clear. If you think your ministry is the only ministry, and it's the key ministry, and it's the greatest ministry, and it's got to be the foundational ministry of everything else in the church, you're a freak. You're an over-spiritual, over-zealous freak who has narrowed your focus to something so small and you think your little piece of the body is the only piece of the body that matters. Get a life! Grow up! Mature! And I know nobody here needs to hear this, but I'm just telling you, that's just the vision of our church. And I know most of you all know that, so I congratulate you. But I'm passionate about this. I'm not mad at anybody here. I, just, I think that guy was a nut. And I feel sorry for him. Because there were people who would have joined with him. There could have been a great ministry. But his view was if everybody is not doing what I want to do and what God has shown me to do, then everybody else is wrong. That's not how we do ministry. It's not how we do ministry. Your ministry is, everybody here that's doing ministry, your ministry is key. Your ministry is essential. Your gift is important. Your gift is valuable. It's, it's like... How many have ever done like a 10,000 piece puzzle? And you've spent hours and you've spent days. It's been laying out on your dining room table forever. And you get to the end of the box and there's that piece that's missing. And you're like, I put all of this stinking work into this thing and it ain't. And then you start looking, throwing your couch covers everywhere, you know, and, and cushions and looking underneath. And where's that? I got, you go crazy. Is anybody else like me, a little OCD? Got to get that piece of that puzzle. Your, your ministry is a piece of the puzzle. It's needed. It's essential. But it's not the whole picture. I know, I know, I know that CFA can be effective beyond our wildest dreams if we keep our ministry simplified in this way we're laying out. So first, simplify. Second, share responsibility. Share responsibility. Now, this relates to discipleship, what some people call spiritual formation, becoming more and more into the image of Christ, becoming like Jesus, growing into the people Jesus designed us to be. Back in the day, back in the day, I used to teach four classes over the course of a year. I taught classes on doctrine and prayer and evangelism and spiritual gifts. I spent three months on doctrine. I spent three months on prayer. I spent three months on evangelism. I spent three months on spiritual gifts. And so if somebody would come to my class in a year's time, they would get my whole philosophy of ministry. But 
people couldn't attend all the time so it took some people well over a year to get through all of that at the same time they would see a whole variety of ministry opportunities that they were being recruited for without ever hearing anything about spiritual gifts or whether they they could have the opportunity to know if they had spiritual gifts or explore their spiritual gifts people would become overwhelmed and confused how many services do you have how many how many classes are there how many how many ministries are, are there? And there was no way they could make them all. And we were told, we were told. I was told this growing up, and so I did this in the early years of my ministry. Boy, the most faithful saints are in the church every time the doors are open. You know, people, people that come on Sunday morning, they, they love the church. People that come on Sunday night love the pastor. But people that come on Wednesday night, they love the Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah, that don't make anybody feel guilty. I didn't motivate anybody by guilt at all. Got to be in church every time the doors are open. Like we, worked, we worked so hard to get people in, they never had time or energy to go out and make a difference. People talk about the ideal of one-on-one -on -one ministry. That's awesome. How do we do that? What materials should be used? Who should be involved? How can we get enough people willing to meet one-on-one -on -one with new people? I'm convinced, I'm convinced, I'm convinced it's biblical, and I've seen it work. Small groups provide the perfect opportunity and the perfect format for people to be in relationships, eyeball to eyeball, one-on-one, -on -one, discipling people. Now listen, I'll say this again. These are invitations and opportunities. We don't want to put guilt trips on people. These are invitations. These are opportunities. I can't make anybody do anything, and I don't want to be a beggar, and I don't want to be an arm twister, but I want to present an opportunity, and you know what? The opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime has to be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. I do not want people to be confused about a whole variety of ministries, so we point people to one ministry, small groups. We connect people with other people who have the same interests, study interests, activity interests, ministry interests. And if you don't find that in here, we help you create it. We help you birth it. This connects people to others in the church and in the life of the church immediately because this is given to everybody that comes in right away. And discipleship and spiritual formation just happens naturally. Naturally, as we connect with one another and walk with one another, we're in the same areas of our life. Do we focus on certain things at certain times because we recognize specific needs? Absolutely. That's why I'm teaching this series of messages right now. But with this God-given plan, everybody has the opportunity. Everybody has the opportunity to connect immediately everybody has the opportunity to explore their gifts so that they can serve in the way that God designed them to serve and so that we can all experience the fulfillment that God created us for discipleship or spiritual formation is not limited to a certain few not just the experts everybody connected in life with one another has the opportunity to help others grow in their faith and in their walk with Jesus you don't have to be a leading super spiritual expert to help somebody else follow Jesus Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love anybody ever put one of them puzzles together and you couldn't couldn't quite get the puzzle piece to fit and say you started going wake up dude it's the wrong piece <laughs> churches are like that 
got this piece of the puzzle. I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you fit right there. He makes, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Not just one part, not just a few, the whole body. Each part does its own special work. Every part is special. Every gift is special. Every individual is special. Every ministry is special. And when it's like this, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work. We don't have nursery workers. They're not back there punching a clock to go to work. They are gifted and they are called to serve children. We don't want children's church workers. We don't want youth workers. We don't want discipleship workers. We don't want to be. It ain't work when we do what we love doing. We love one another. We love being together. We love serving one another and serving others together. We grow in the blessing. We don't want people plugged into programs. Listen, we do not want people plugged into programs. We want people birthed into a family. Birthed into a family. So this affects discipleship. This affects the total ministry. Doing what God designed us to do will take us beyond just ministries that seem specifically designed for discipleship. Discipleship and spiritual formation will now infiltrate every single ministry in the church. Small group relationships provide pastoral care, prayer, intercession, serving to meet needs in the church and in the community, giving opportunity for people to develop gifts, accountability, and companionship. You know what I learned in doing this? We used to think that discipleship happened after a person came to Jesus. They come to Jesus and then you disciple them, right? Come to Jesus, put them in a discipleship class. You know what I've learned? Discipleship starts before a person comes to Jesus. There's a guy named James Engel. He came up with what is now called the Engel Scale of Evangelism. And it starts out with a minus seven. Minus seven is no knowledge of God or Jesus or anything at all. Atheist, agnostic, whatever. Minus six is just a little, little bit of knowledge of God beginning understanding. Minus five is, and minus five, minus four, minus three, minus two, minus one moves closer and closer and closer to a person becoming more aware of who Jesus is, what the gospel claims, and their need for him. Zero is conversion. And then one is getting connected with others. And two is finding out what gifts are. And three is beginning to be involved in ministry and so forth. So you see, discipleship doesn't begin when a person's converted, discipleship begins when you are bringing somebody who is far away from the Lord just one step closer, just one step closer, just one step closer. I challenge everybody that's a small group leader in ministry, no matter who you're, is in your group, no matter what your ministry is, your, your goal is not to get 100 people saved in one small group season. Your goal is to bring everybody just one step closer. One step closer on that scale. One step closer in their understanding of Jesus. And even if they're already converted, what, what, if, what if the only thing they're doing, what if the only thing a person is doing is coming to a Sunday morning service and that's it? Your next step is to get involved in a small group. What if you're in a Sunday morning service in a small group? Your next step is to get involved in next steps. Your next step is to find out what your gift is. And then your next step is to use that in ministry. It doesn't have to be as a leader. It can be as a part of a team. Every one of us has a next step where we've got to go and where we've got to grow. And so we help one another through all this to t help people take their next steps. So you see, small groups are not just another program. Small groups are the program. Small groups are not just an appendage of the church or a supplement to the Sunday morning service. They are the church. I do not want to be a church with small groups. I want to be a church of small groups. Years and years and years ago, there was this entertainer. He was a juggler. And then he would start spinning plates. This is old. But he would set these sticks up, like 10 or 15 sticks. And he'd start spinning a plate. He'd juggle, juggle, put a plate up here. And he'd be juggling three, 
three bowling pins with one hand and he'd put another plate up there and put another plate up there and then he'd had 10 or 15 plates going and he's juggling and he he was just freaking everybody out the way he could juggle those bowling pins with one hand and move back and forth and move back and forth and spin those plates spin those plates spin those plates spin those man it was impressive problem is that's how a lot of pastors operate they are individually trying to keep multiple programs operating keep all the plates spinning keep the people motivated you know what I found if that's what's required eventually the plates crash they crash and the spinner crashes so I've decided we're gonna just spin one plate we're just gonna spin one plate it don't look as impressive but you know what it can be a much bigger plate and you don't have to worry about it crashing and everything can be done everything 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 can be done and everything is done through small groups because you see our worship team is a small group our kids ministry team is a small group our hospitality team is a small group our community events outreach team is a small group our deacons are a small group we've gone through a book study together as deacons this year on prayer everything can be done and everything is being done through small groups if you see something you think needs to be done initiate and lead a small group and it begins with come on people wake up it begins with that's right if you haven't been there that's where you need to be next Sunday for lunch here's another evidence of this being biblical if something is biblical it will work and this system works whether a church has 60 people or 100 people or 150 people or 200 people or 500 people or 1,000 people. It's scalable to every size church. One size fits all. The church grows. Leaders grow. Opportunities grow. The number of people serving grows. It's all proportional to what God is doing among us. So as we grow, we won't have to make significant changes. We won't have to make a bunch of changes as we grow. What we are doing now will continue to work. As the church grows, even more beautiful, this is like the church in the book of Acts. This is like the church in the book of Acts. This is like first generation Christians and it has the feel of the first generational church because it bursts fellowship and bonds of love and unity and holiness and multiplication. So number three, if you need to, shift your outlook. Shift your outlook. A while back there was a certain word that became so popular it seemed to be overused. I, I don't hear it so much anymore people got tired of it I guess but it was the word paradigm 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 I heard the word paradigm all the time a paradigm controls how we interpret what we see and experience so what is our outlook what is our perspective on the church life and ministry do we need a paradigm shift do we need to shift our outlook do we need to look at how we do ministry differently again some people have only seen the church as a set of programs rather than a set of relationships it's not programs it's relationships the shift in outlook that some need is to see the relationships that happen in small groups as the church itself the relationships that happen in small groups as the church itself in Bogota Colombia 
There was a church like the ones we mentioned before. Grew to several thousand people. Small groups became the sole focus of the church's ministry. Which meant many ministries were taking place through small groups. People were coming to know Jesus. People were growing in their relationship with Jesus. People were beginning to discover and use their gifts. And they grew and they grew and they grew because all ministry was streamlined in this one method. Pastor, why are you sharing this morning? Because I want everybody in our church to know our philosophy and how we operate. And what God has given us to do biblically. Not just one ministry, but many ministries through one method. That simplification, that's getting back to the book of Acts. Churches that run a variety of disconnected programs do not experience this kind of growth. They experience competition, inward thinking, inward focus, and stagnation. Why am I so interested in this? I believe this will result in more people coming into a relationship with Jesus. That's the bottom line. I believe it will result in more people coming into a relationship with Jesus. I believe a streamlined focus, doing all ministry through relationships with one focus, will cause more people to know Jesus and grow in their relationship with Jesus as we grow in our relationships with one another. Listen, I know, I know you do not want to spend your life just being busy, busy, busy. And getting tired. And we don't want to just pat ourselves on the back about how busy we've been. You know, sometimes you go up to somebody and say, how's it going? Oh, just busy. Busy, busy, busy. Just life's busy. Well, slow down. Just slow down, okay? I'm not impressed anymore. <laughs> I'm not impressed with people saying, oh, I'm just so busy. Well, cut something out and slow down then, all right? Oh, I just can't. Yes, you can. Get the focus God wants you to have. Don't let everybody pull you in a different direction, whether it's outside or whether it's in the church. We pat ourselves on the back about how busy we've been, how much we seem to have gotten done, how many services we got, how many small groups we got, blah, 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 blah. And, and a lot of people don't really come to know Jesus or become like him, but boy, we're busy. We're busy and we got all the programs. Busyness, busyness doesn't equal being about the Lord's business. Busyness is not the same as effectiveness or fruitfulness. I want to become like Jesus. Me first. I want, I need to become more like Jesus. I want others to become more like Jesus. Building a church is really secondary to that. If I'll become more like Jesus, and I can begin to help others become more like Jesus, and we grow in our relationship with him by growing in our relationship with others, then, then the growth of God's family is just going to be a natural byproduct of it. That's what John 15 tells us. If we're just connected to the vine, we're going to be fruitful. What I'm talking about has been done worldwide. What I'm talking about not only works with churches of every size, it works in every culture. A lot of people read and quote Acts 2, 42 through 47 when they're talking about what I'm talking about. But a lot of people miss verse 41. So I want to back up and start with verse 41. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. In one day, the church grew from 120 to 3,000. What are you going to do? I've been in church a long time. I've been preaching and pastoring almost 40 years. And, and I started going to church nine months before I was born. <laughs> I've been in this thing my whole stinking life, all right? I've, I've seen it all, been there, done it. And I'm telling you, I, there's some that are like, oh, I've talked to a lot of pastors. Oh, we don't want growth to be too fast. If growth is too fast, then, then we won't know what to do with the people. We, don't know, we won't know how to disciple the people. I, I, and, and I've seen churches that have grown rapidly, in it, and some pastors haven't known what to do. If this church would double or triple in the next two weeks, we know what to do. It's all set up. It's ready to go. 
Doesn't matter how many people come. It works. It works. So in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 41, they grew in one day from 120 to 3,000. And then it says, all the believers, this is the next verse, all the believers, how many are those? 3,120. <laughs> right? All the believers devoted themselves, 3,120 people, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we devote ourselves to what's being taught. All of us, all the believers, devote ourselves to what's being taught. Taking advantage of the opportunities. And to fellowship. Can't fellowship if you're just sitting in a row looking at the back of somebody else's head. Can't do it. Got to get yourself in a place. We, we provide the opportunity for fellowship. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. Get together. Eat together. Get candy bars together. Get popcorn together. Get barbecue together. We're going to have dinner in a minute. Praise God. Hallelujah. And to prayer. 3,120 people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They all started doing this. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. 3,120. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders, and all the believers, all the believers, 3,120, met together in one place. How in the world did they meet together in one place? Because they went to the temple, which hosted thousands and thousands and thousands. So here's these new Christians, these new Jesus followers, 3,120 showing up in the temple every day, at the temple, sharing everything they had. They sold their property possessions, shared the money with those in need. So all needs were being met. They worshiped together at the temple every day. 3,120 people. Didn't they go to work? Yeah, they went there before work. They went there before work. They gathered together. This is one reason why the Jewish people got so upset and wanted to stamp them up because they're, they're not hiding in closets anymore. They're not hiding in upper room. There's 3,120 gathering in the temple every day out in the public worshiping Jesus in the middle of the temple where those people are denying that Jesus is the Messiah. Three, are you getting this? There's about 3,600 people that live in this town. Almost as many people as the population of Camden, Tennessee are gathering together in the temple every day to worship Jesus with a bunch of people who killed Jesus. And then it says they worship together at the temple every day and met in homes. 3,120 people. 3,120 people, all of them. It says, all the believers, over and over, all the believers. They gathered together in the large group, and then they gathered together in the small group. That's what they did. Small groups was not plan B. Small groups was not just another program. Small groups was not just an appendage to the church. Small groups was not just something to supplement the Sunday morning service. Small groups was as equally as important as the Sunday morning gathering. As their daily gathering in the temple they met together, 3,120 broke up in small enough groups to meet in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So there was more. Every day, that 3,120 grew. And so more people were meeting together in the temple, making the leaders nervous, and more people were gathering together in Small groups, the 3,000 were immediately, the 3,000 that got saved at Peter's message in Acts chapter 2 were immediately connected in small groups, in homes, eating together, serving one another, ministering together, praying for one another, and growing every day. You see how this is biblical? If we do this, it will work. Two plus two equals four. Apply the word of God to your life and it will work. Acts chapter 4 verse 4. 
But many of the people who heard their message believed it. you got to believe what I'm telling you. Many of the people who heard their message believed it, so the number of men who now believe totaled about 5,000. How many were there? I don't know, but there's 5,000 men plus women and children. That's a whole lot more. But they're meeting together in the temple courts every day, and they're meeting together in small groups in their homes. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied. You know you get more with multiplication than you do with addition? So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. What were they doing? They were gathering together in the large group. They were gathering together in the small group and they were just letting ministry run its course that way. Just letting people's gifts do what they do. The church grows by people coming to faith. Now listen, it says at the end of that, Acts chapter 6 verse 7, the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Jewish priests. The church grows by people coming to faith and unexpected people coming to faith. If we do this, some of the people we least expect may just come to know Jesus. So I'm absolutely convinced that we are doing ministry in a biblical way. I read once about a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. His company had 22 and a half inches of policy manuals. <laughs> 22 and a half inches of policy manuals. And he threw all of them out in favor of a one-page philosophy statement. All of the cumbersome, complicated procedures were summed up in this new, simple philosophy of doing business. Church ministry should not be complicated. Biblical ministry is not complicated. It's relationships. I heard one guy say one time, all we do is have meetings. That's all we do. We just have me. We meet with God about people, and we meet with people about God. That's my job description right there, folks. I meet with God about people, and I meet with people about God. And that's for all of us. I believe if we keep our ministry simple, if we share responsibility through our gifts, if we shift our outlook where necessary from an old model that doesn't really work, we will know that we are not competing with one another. Our small groups are not in competition with one another. Our various ministries are not in competition with one another. We are serving together, maybe different times in different places with different people, but we are serving together. We're reaching for the same goals through a variety of gifts, and we will be doing what God wants us to do. So let me go back to first. Peter chapter 4 and read it again the end of the world is coming soon we better get this therefore be earnest and disciplined in your prayers most important of all continue to show deep love for each other we can't do that with just a hi how are you on Sunday morning continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to say, you know, some people who just don't feel qualified at all to lead anything, I bet you you can. Everybody in this place knows how to watch a video. That's what most of us spend most of our time doing, watching stuff. And if you can turn a video on that's good biblical teaching, and when that video is done, you can say, what do you think about that? You're qualified to lead a small group right there. I'd like you to be born again. I'd like you to be saved. <laughs> I'd like you to know what your gift are. I'd like you to know how that gift fits in the whole big picture of the church. But you can do it. Pastor, what, what if somebody says something really, really weird and strange and off base? Easy. Two-word response. How interesting. 
That's it. And then you send me an email and say, hey, pastor, this dude said something really weird. What do I do about this? And I'll help you out. See? You don't have to be afraid. I got your back. God has given each of you. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. Do you know what your gift is and are you using it well? This is, the, this is the word. Use them well to serve one another. If it, He just throws out a couple examples. There's myriad examples, dozens. But he just throws out a couple. You got the gift of speaking? Speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. You see, some people look at that and they go, Oh, speaking, that's the pastor, that's the teacher. <laughs> they're way up here, boy, those missionaries and pastors. and They're, they're, they're awesome. My gift is just helps. It's, I, just, I just have the gift of helps. If we don't have the gift of helps, we're going nowhere. You just got some raven lunatic up here yelling and screaming when he gets excited about something because he's passionate about it. But we've got to have the gift of helps. And I believe it's no accident that the Holy Spirit had Peter throw out one that we think is high and one that we think is low because our perspective is wrong. Because all the gifts are right here. All of them. All of them. If everybody were pastors, there'd be nobody for us to scream at. <laughs> We'd all be preaching at empty rooms. Do it with all the strength, whether it's the speaking or whether it's the helping or whatever gift you have. Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everything you do will bring glory to God. That's the goal through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Help us now to apply your word to our lives. I really feel like the Lord led me in how to close this today. And it's, it's different than usual, but I really feel like it's the Lord. So, Father, help us to be open to what you want to do right now. In this time and in this place and in this moment. As we've heard your word. Lord, I pray that you would overcome my faults and my failures and my expression. Overcome any, any difficulty I may have had in communicating, Lord, and just let your spirit speak directly to people's hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you are here today and you are leading a small group of any kind, I want you to stand. You are a small group leader. Stand. <clears throat> Remain standing. Remain standing. If you're one of our deacons, stand. One of our deacons, stand. If you serve in any way in our worship ministry, tech or worship, on the stage, in the booth, I want you to stand. Anybody that serves in worship ministry, stand. Anyone that serves in our kids' ministry, and some are out there now with our nursery, but you take a rotation in the kids' ministry, youth ministry, nursery ministry, you stand. If you are involved in our prayer team ministry, I want you to stand. Those who serve on our prayer team ministry. If you serve... In the ministry, on the admin team, when Angie calls and helps to do administrative work, Romans chapter 12 says there's a gift of administration. I want you to stand. If you're an usher and you help with the 
behind-the-scenes duties that doesn't really have a job description other than doing what needs to be done, you stand. If you're on the hospitality team, you serve out there and you're helping to break up hard hearts when they walk in the door or calm fearful hearts that aren't comfortable when they first walk in the door. If you're on the hospitality team, you stand. This is all ministry. These are people serving in their gifts. If you're part of that community events and outreach team, you're serving in the community events and outreach team, I want you to stand. If you're here for our pre-service prayer time, interceding for the services, I want you to stand. And I hope and pray that I haven't left anything out. Worship, prayer, small group leader, kids, and all the ministries. I think I've done that. So I want you all to come forward now. I want you, if you stand, I want you to come forward. You guys can leave the booth. It's okay. No big deal. Everybody come forward and spread out across the front here. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Is this not awesome? Is this not awesome? Look at the, all these people are serving in gifts. All these people are serving in gifts. All these people find fulfillment in serving in gifts. This is far more than the, you know, people say 20% of the people in the church doing 80% of the work. See, that, that's when everybody's just trying to twist arms for programs. So now, everybody, you're, stand and look that way. Everybody stand and look that way. This is the ministry team of the church. It ain't just me. It ain't just Pastor Chris. This is the ministry team of the church. So I want all the rest of you to stand up. And let's just stand together. This is our family. This is our family. Father, we thank you today for this family. And I just, I just want to be free right now. If, if you want to go and pray with somebody, go and pray with somebody. If you want to come and ask somebody to pray with you, come and ask somebody to pray with you. Let's just be free right now and let's just spend some time loving on one another, praying for one another, lifting one another up. Again, if you want a prayer, come and receive prayer. If you feel led to go to somebody, go to somebody in prayer. Father, I thank you for what you are doing in this church. I thank you for the life in this church. I thank you for the ministries in this church. I thank you for the biblical ministry method, Lord, that you have given us in this church. And I pray, God, that it would grow. Listen, this, this is not to embarrass anybody but I'm saying if you're curious about any area of ministry these are the people to come and talk to you can come and talk to anybody up here about any area of ministry you can come and talk to me you can come to next steps next Sunday and find out about it and we'll talk about gifts and we'll talk about ministry we'll talk about the big picture of the church and in an hour and a half to two hours we'll let you go home and have a great day and it's just it's no arm twisting it's just an opportunity to explore it's an invitation is all it is. So I'm just going to go back into worshiping the Lord. And I just want you to feel free to pray with one another, minister to one another, do what the Lord leads you to do. And let's worship him together. And let's thank God for the gifts that he's given us. And let's be committed that we're going to use the gifts he's given us. And let's try to be committed to that Acts chapter 2 model of ministry. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hand From the moment that I wake up Till I lay my head Oh, I will sing of your goodness yeah, Lord, I thank you for everyone has found their gift Lord I thank you for everyone that's standing up here I thank you Lord for the anointing upon their lives Lord I pray that that anointing would be refreshed and renewed Lord Jesus I know that they have an anointing Lord I pray that they would serve in that anointing 
God, we pray that we would see fruit. We pray that we would see growth grow through relationships, through ministry, through shared gifts and shared opportunities. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Use us. And God, help each and every one of us in this room today. No matter where we are in our walk, no matter where we are in our walk, Lord, that we would come to know you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior today, you can just ask him right now. You can come to anybody that's up here and you can say, I want to know Jesus, and they'll help you. They'll help. They can introduce. Everybody in this place right now can introduce you to Jesus. Lord, I pray that everybody in this place would be open to what you want to do in their lives, that we would all be open to your gifts, the gifts we have now. Lord, if you want to give us more gifts, if you want to give us more insight, more revelation, more anointing into the gifts, more opportunity, more open doors, God, I pray that you do it in Jesus' name. Do it, Lord. Build your church. Build your church by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of your word. You are the one that builds the church. You are the one who makes things grow, Lord. We just provide these opportunities to discover gifts and to be used in gifts in the name of Jesus. And we are going to make a difference in this community. We're going to make a difference in this community. We're going to make a difference in our homes. We're going to make a difference in our families. Because of you, because of your power, because of your grace, because of your goodness, because of the generosity, Lord, you pour out your gifts so generously upon each and every one of us. All my life you have been faithful. Yes, he has. Oh, my life you have been so, so. There's no big ministries. There's no small ministry. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Thank you, Jesus. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Because all my life, all my life you have been faithful. Oh, yes, you have. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Angie, do you have any instructions?